Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the conclusion or the doxology to the Lord's Prayer. It's worth mentioning that if you actually look at the Lord's Prayer in at least Luke's Gospel, uh, these words aren't actually there. Uh, they, they come from 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 11 to 13. They're words of praise, a doxology of King David, the greatest hymn writer of the Bible, who wrote most of our psalms. At some point, these words got attached to the Lord's prayers as beautiful and fitting conclusion, saying essentially, to God alone be glory. <clears throat> this is actually why, you're, why you'll hear some denominations uh, even today stop when they get to uh, deliver us from evil. Amen. And our catechism also uh, doesn't actually offer an explanation uh, on these words. Instead, our catechism defines the word amen, which simply means yes. Yes, it shall be so. Uh, amen means to affirm something to be true. But both of these things, giving praise to God alone and saying amen, affirming something to be true, both these things we see in our gospel lesson from Luke 17 in the healing of the ten lepers with the, the one Samaritan returning to give thanks and praise to God alone. Uh, but first, a, a little cultural context. Uh, a, a Jew would never have been found with a Samaritan. If you remember last week, uh, there's a reason that the, the parable of the Good Samaritan would have been so striking to Jesus' audience. The Jews and Samaritans uh, would never have even gone near each other if they could help it. But here, you have this band of, of ten lepers, most of whom are Jewish, and at least one is a Samaritan. It's a fellowship. It's a gathering. It's a unity based on disease. Uh, this is why the colony is on the border of Samaria and Galilee, Right? These men weren't welcomed into any other place, and so they were literally on the fringe of society, on, on both fringes of society, and here they are together. And here they are in a community which has been able to overcome these cultural barriers because of their leprosy, their ostracization. Uh, I was listening to a podcast earlier this week on this text, and, and Brian Wolfmuller on, on the God of Saints podcast points out that, that in many ways it's a, a more welcoming community than even the temple in Jerusalem, even the church, uh, maybe even churches today, uh, which did not allow certain groups in. Uh, but it's still not the type of community that our Lord desires us to have or for these men to have. It's, in his words, an anti-fellowship, a fellowship in isolation. Now, we make communities like this all the time. If you're sinning, you know, it's nice to gather around yourself other people who are sinning. 
You know, it's great to go to the bar where everybody knows your name. These communities, we, we form our, a coping mechanism for our conscience. So if we've invested in, in a certain sin, we're, we're going to want, want to find other people who uh, are sinning as well uh, so that they will blunt the effect that that sin has on my conscience so I don't feel it. But rather that, that my choices or assumptions or my behavior, instead of being healthily challenged, uh, will be merely affirmed. And we want others to affirm, to say amen to my sin. And the reality is we do the same for others. I say yes, amen to sin all the time. And I separate myself from the community uh, of, of men and God. Even though I might not commit a certain act, uh, I still encourage others to do it by my words or, or, or by my reaction. Maybe I laugh at, at a certain sin or even by not saying or doing anything. I could keep all the commandments with my life, but I break it by my confession. The faith I confess is demonstrated by the way I live my life, and the way I live my life shows up in my confession. And the devil would love to get me to think that, that all I have to do, for instance, to, to keep uh, the commandments or keep the sixth commandment is, is to love my wife. And it doesn't matter that I affirm others who are living in sin outside of marriage. See, the devil attacks ideology. And he always comes along with a, a utopia, a perfect community. You, know, you can have this, this perfect community. I can give you a world uh, without adultery if there's no marriage. I can give you a world uh, without, without theft if we just take away all personal property. Uh, there'll be no murder if we, if we just redefine life or, or if there is no life. And so we, we see that we actually do need to say amen, to affirm what God says is true, and then also to anathematize what God says is not true, to actually say things are false. Now back to the story. The leper colony was a result of the, the Jewish uh, Levitical laws from Moses. Anyone who had leprosy had to live outside of the city. And if someone came near them, uh, that leper had to call out, unclean, unclean. Leprosy was a serious disease. But the Bible uses it to show the seriousness of sin. And how sin separates us from, and isolates us from God. And yet, Jesus goes to this community, purposefully passing along the border between Samaria and Galilee on his way to Jerusalem, on his way to the cross. And again, it, it, this is not the community our Lord desires us to have. He has come to bring us a new kingdom, a true fellowship, a, a place where, where, where our, our sin is not affirmed, uh, but, but a place where people of every different background, of of every different culture, of every different uh, language and socioeconomic condition, every different education, every, every different uh, sort of struggle and temptation. And he's come to bring us all together into a gathering and to cleanse us from all our sin. Thine is the kingdom. The church is the place where forgiveness of sins is to be preached. 
And so that's what Jesus does for the ten lepers. When Jesus sees them, he says, go show yourself to the priest. Now, for a leper to be reintegrated into society, he would have to go show himself to the priest. Only the priest could determine whether or not a person was cleansed. And, and it was a process. It wasn't just him looking you over once and, and, and telling you you're good. Uh, first, you would need to be healed. You would need to show yourself that you're healed. You would need to, and then you'd need to go through a process of, of ritual or ceremonial cleansing and washing. And so if these people weren't healed, they would be setting themselves up uh, for shame, for humiliation, and potentially a lifelong sense of being confined to that leper colony. And they don't know what's going to happen. They might have thought, well, why doesn't Jesus just heal me now before I go to the priest? And they probably have all these doubts. How do I know Jesus is going to help me? But Luke tells us they all go. All ten of them go. They all make a confession. They are now all affirming something different. They are trusting Jesus at his word. They know God has heard their prayer and has answered them. They might not know how yet, but they know he has. This is what faith is. And why we close all, all of our prayers with amen. Faith trusts Jesus at his word and says, yes, yes, amen. And yes, that might be mixed with doubts. We might not understand why God tells us to do something or to not do something. We, we might not understand why uh, God does something. We might not understand why God permits something to happen. We might not understand what God says or does, but faith says amen, because while we might not understand what God says or does, we are confident that God will hear and answer us. We are sure that our petitions are acceptable to our Father in heaven and are heard by Him, because He Himself has commanded us to pray and has promised to hear us. And everything we pray for in the Lord's Prayer, God has told us and commanded us to pray for. And so he's promised to hear us. And so how many of the petitions of the Lord's Prayer were implicit in the prayer of these ten men? For God's name to be hallowed in their living. For God's kingdom to come to them who were isolated. For God's will to be done in their healing for God to give them their livelihoods back and their daily bread, to cleanse them from their sin, and to deliver them from evil. God knows what they need. And so Luke says, as they went away, they were cleansed. Not just healed. Luke could have just said healed, but, but Luke says they were cleansed. Pure able to be reintegrated into society without any of the ceremonial work. They don't need to go through the ceremonial cleansing because they are already cleansed. They don't need to do anything to get back into a true fellowship and community with men or with God. They are cleansed. Such is the power of God. 
For thine is the power, the power through the work of Christ on the cross to cleanse us of our sin and restore us to himself, thus assuring me that he does hear and answer my prayer. But then, of the ten, only one man comes back to glorify God. Although they all go, they are all cleansed, only one man confesses, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. And Luke adds this detail. And he was a Samaritan. In other words, the the one guy who, who shouldn't have recognized any of this. He wasn't a Jew. He wasn't even bound to the ceremonial washing laws. We might even say, he, you know, the others were, were lifelong churchgoers, confirmed, married in the church. This guy was an outsider of outsiders. But Jesus has come and given him a new fellowship. Jesus breaks down the, the intersectionality totem pole uh, of that day with the fellowship of his body and blood. The church. And he, and he cleansed this man, and because this man is cleansed, he's declared holy, as holy as God is holy. And so this man acted like one who had been made holy. His life becomes a reflection of God's holiness among him. He bows to the ground. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet, thanking him. His life reflects the holiness of God. And he thanks Jesus. And the word that Luke uses for the Samaritan's man, Samaritan man's thankfulness or, or thanksgiving is, is the word Eucharist. Uh, Eucharist is another term that we use for the Lord's Supper. And it's this beautiful picture The other nine lepers took their gift of cleansing and they went. Uh, Coming to Jesus again to thank him was was more work. It was an obligation. But for this man, coming to Jesus meant more gifts. And that's what the Eucharist is for us. It's more gifts. And it's why we pray the Lord's Prayer immediately before we partake of the Eucharist. Did you realize that the Lord's Supper is our Lord's answer to every petition that we pray for in the Lord's Prayer? It's where God's name is hallowed among us and in us. Through bread and wine, God's kingdom comes to us. God's will is done for us because he himself has commanded us uh, to partake of it often. We are fed our daily bread and given the forgiveness of our sins. We are strength to be kept from temptation. And finally, we believe that through it, we will be delivered from evil. We are given all the gifts that the Samaritan man had and more. And so let us affirm and acknowledge what God has done for us. Bow down, receive God's gifts, and confess. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.